good? Well, tonight we are blessed to have with us Jerry and LaVon Savage. Jerry is the minister at the League Street Church in Sulphur Springs. He's been there the past three years. But 14 years, uh, Jerry and LaVon spent time in Spearfish, South Dakota. And so I don't have to say this, but church and living and faith and life and all of that is a little different in South Dakota than it is in Texas. And, uh, but it goes to show what kind of people Jerry and LaVon are. Uh, Jerry is uh, a son of a missionary, uh, having lived some in Africa and Jamaica, of all places. I guess somebody has to do it, right? And uh, in other places as well here uh, throughout the states. But Jerry and LaVon are great people, and uh, he's doing a great work for the League Street Church. I had the privilege to, to be over there last week and uh, preached for them and uh, it's just good to have Jerry back with us. I believe he was here two years ago, and uh, we're glad that he's able to come back here tonight. Jerry, I'm going to ask if you would to come up, and I'm going to pray over you, and uh, then you can preach from God's Word to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for the day that you've blessed us with. And Father, I thank you for my good friend Jerry, and I thank you for his wife, LaVon, and for their family, and Father, I thank you for the work that they do throughout this land and for you in the kingdom. And Father, we thank you for their heart to serve you. We thank you for their heart to just be about your business. And Father, I pray tonight that you will speak through Jerry and uh, just give him a heart uh, for the message that he has to share with us. And I pray, Father, that we can be people to receive your word tonight and to take it to our hearts and may our lives be transformed to be more in the likeness of your son, Jesus. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen. Thank you, Patrick. Hey, we're on live here. Okay. Hey, surely appreciate the church uh, being here tonight, gathered up to uh, sing a little bit together and uh, study a little bit together. So, uh, uh, thank you for having me here to be with you. Thanks for loaning us, uh, Patrick, last week. Um, he started to lead some songs back there with us last week. And I said, wait a minute, we've got to take up the collection first before you start. Um, but it was great to have him there. And uh, thank you for loaning us uh, Brad Sullivan. Brad was part of the church here, and he's doing a fantastic job uh, in our youth ministry and other ministries. And so... He's working out quite well down there. We're glad to have him. I'm glad we were able to steal him from you. We plan to keep uh, he and his family for a while. And uh, so glad that um, you encouraged him while he was here to be about ministry. I did want to do a little more uh, introduction of my wife, LaVon. Um, she and I met when she was nine years old. And I fell instantly in love, of course, at, at a little bit older than nine. Um, we went to church camp together for 10 years, and then we showed up back at the same church camp. And, and by the way, during those 10 years, I don't think we had a single conversation. Uh, I was kind of the older crowd and, and uh, didn't really pay attention much until she showed back up when she was 19. Wow. <laughs> Things had changed just a little bit. In my life, too, I had been through most of college, or maybe all of college, and we 
show back up at the same church camp, and we were both counselors this year, and, um, and I kind of noticed her, she noticed me, and she immediately, I don't know how she has this talent, she, she, she went to the director and said, put me on Jerry's baseball team. She made the first move. Okay, that's all I'm getting to, okay, that's all I'm saying. Well, during that week, we had our first conversation. The next week, she flew to Dallas. I was a youth minister there just out of college, and uh, she helped me with vacation Bible school. The next Monday, I bought the ring. The next week, we went back to church camp together as counselors, and I proposed to her on the baseball field just three weeks after we had our first conversation. Now, here's the part I wanted to get to. Somebody had put my, pushed my pickup truck down onto the baseball field. It wasn't in the parking lot. And so I got her to walk down, as a romantic guy would do, got her to walk down there to the, to the truck just to help me pick up the truck, you know. And while she was down there, I had all of her undivided attention. I got on my knee and gave the ring to her, and she answered appropriately. And I said, now let's not tell anybody because it'd be kind of a shocker to everyone especially, you know, the kids and the counselors and the adults and my parents and your parents. And she said, okay. And then she turned and ran away from me towards the bunkhouse where everybody was. And she said, look, look. <laughs> Sometimes you're so excited about something that you just can't keep your mouth shut. Now, she didn't know what she was getting into really, but that was uh, how many years ago? 28 years ago? And not a single fight won between us? Well, not a single fight won by me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it was so neat to see the excitement in her and the excitement in me, and we couldn't keep our mouths shut about something incredible that, that God was presenting to us. In our scripture that's on the wall tonight, this is in the context of some people that were just so thrilled about the faith that they had in Christ. I want you to turn to this next passage. This is in Acts chapter 4. Let's see if I can get this thing to work. There it is. Acts chapter 4, 29 through 33. And listen to this. The church was growing and they were getting some persecution, but they were still excited. Acts chapter 4, 29 through 33. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who were believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Let's bow together, if you will. Our Holy Fathers, you've given us some clips of some, some people that were so excited about the faith that they had that they just couldn't keep their mouths shut. And as we look at their, their energy and their excitement, even in persecution, they were just unstoppable 
Thank you for the pictures. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for letting us understand how thrilling it is to truly understand what faith does for us. And may we be people that show it so clearly from faith to faith. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's your preacher example for the night. In 1985, in New Orleans, uh, they had a, a city pool. And it was a big city pool, and they had a lot of lifeguards all the time there. Um, at the end of the season, they decided to have a big party to celebrate that there had been no tragedies, no drownings or any really bad things at all happened in the whole pool for the whole summer. And so at the end of summer, they invited all of the lifeguards, and there were 100 lifeguards that showed up that had been part of that crew, and then about 100 other people. So 200 people gathered at the pool party. They were just celebrating, and it was just so incredible. Four lifeguards were on assignment there, but they were all, you know, really excited about the whole year that we had gone with, without a drowning. At the end of the party, everybody got up and left, and as the four began to clean the pool after it was over, they looked in the bottom of the pool at a clothed, sunken person that had drowned at the bottom of the pool, surrounded by a hundred lifeguards. What a tragedy. Can you believe that really happened? When we think about the faith, the faith in Jesus Christ, the faith that saves, the faith that you all have, the faith that you all celebrate, do you ever think that there may be one person that you're surrounding yourselves with or that you are surrounding that doesn't have a saving faith? How tragic would it be if a hundred great strong Christians just did life together and one was right in the middle that did not have a saving faith? What would that be like? How would you feel? This was the importance of this passage because the Spirit was moving and the Spirit was saying, listen, I'm going to help you understand how to share your faith from faith to faith so that this message will go on forever, for at least 2,000 years, right? For at least 2,000 years. So here's the message to share. You all know the message. We're going to speed through this first part because then we're going to get to some application stuff. The first part of the message is this. Jesus Christ came to definitely, if this clicker were, to save. I saw a billboard the other day that says, Jesus is rich because he saves. I thought that was kind of cute. Jesus is rich because he saves. He's the saver of souls. In fact, he himself said, no one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, that's it. Jesus is the one. Here's a stat for you. Uh, the recent Barna poll says that of all of those who call themselves Christians in America today, 50% of them believe that a person might be able to get to God and to heaven some other way besides Christ. Maybe the Muslim faith has some good clues. Maybe the Buddhist faith has a few things we could teach us that could get there. Half don't really think, I use air quotes around Christians, those that say that they call themselves Christians, Half of them think that Christ is probably a way, not the way. But when we understand that Jesus is the only 
way, the only, can you say only with me, the only way, then we got to get serious about what this message is. The message is Jesus Christ is the only way. There's motivation for sharing, and the motivation is this, save souls. I remember a story in the Old Testament where David had great success. He was the king, and he said, I'm going to count all my people just to show how proud that I am, that I'm the best king ever, and the kingdom is growing. I'm going to count everybody. And God says, don't count people. He said, I'm going to count them anyway. And he counts them, and then he's punished, and many die. Because the counting of people, let's bounce it here, the counting of people for church, how many show up, it's not the reason that we tell people about Christ so we can have more people in church. The reason we tell people about Christ is so that their soul can be saved, so that they can be added to the family. Now, numeric things happen for sure, but souls being saved is the reason. If you believe what Jesus said was his main purpose, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. And you adopt that for your life? Then we're starting to hit home. We're starting to get on some toes here. If that was his purpose and we're supposed to be like Christ, then our purpose is to seek and save the lost because the lost are really lost. I was asked to write an article for a newspaper, a Christian periodical, a few years ago. And it was about our work in South Dakota. We had seen some great growth and quite a few coming to the Lord and the, the church that we were planting up there began to grow and all that kind of great stuff. And so it was under the title, the heading was Churches That Work. And so we were kind of patting ourselves on the back, you know, and now I kind of say I wish we wouldn't have done that. Um, but the article that I was asked to write, I had written that we came here to help those who were lost find their way to Christ and to God and to the church. And they wrote back and said, we like your article, edit it in a couple of places, especially this phrase that says the lost. We, we don't really feel comfortable writing that, but you know, could you change that a little bit? So I wrote again, but I left that in there because I believe people are lost. And they wrote back again and said, well, write it again and try to use some other word because we don't like that word because we don't think people are lost. We just think they're wandering around a little bit, I guess is the way to put it. And I, I wrote back and said, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to withdraw my article because it seems that you clearly disagree with Christ. And he said they're lost, and I'm going to call them lost until they're found by Jesus Christ. Didn't write the article. I think they're still mad, or they don't really care about me anyway. But the fact is, until we understand that people are really lost, we won't be interested in sharing our faith to faith and save souls. There's a means by which we share, and here it gets exciting. Here we go. We're going to have a little fun with this. The means by which we share, it's not because of the fantastic preaching of Patrick that the world is going to be saved. Can I get an amen? Can I get a that's right? Can I get a we love him anyway? Something like that. It's when each individual Christian says, I am going to turn and tell somebody what God did for me. Some way, somehow, I am going to share what happened to me with somebody else in one way. But this is the way our style is. Each of us has a different style. Can you read this? Can you read this? Just barely, perhaps. Should have been brighter. As we begin to study people and their personalities... 
according to the faith they have, it is important for us to know that everybody has a different style. A different style intended, now let me say this word clearly, intended, God intends you to be peculiar. You ever heard that? We're peculiar people. Some of us are more peculiar than others, you might say. God wants us to be peculiar people. He wants us to be different than the world, but he wants us to be different than each other. If we were all the same, wouldn't that be boring? If your husband was the same as you, women, that wouldn't be too exciting. It might be calmer around the house, but it wouldn't be as exciting in life if your spouse was the same exact as you are. God made, I don't know how many billions of people now, that not a single one is the same as any other. We all have our style. So here are the styles of evangelism that are set forth in just a few passages in Scripture. And I want you to identify with one of them. None of you are too young or too old that you can't identify with some form of this evangelistic style. Okay, the first one is serving. You remember the story of Dorcas? She had a great reputation. Her reputation included good works and charity in Acts chapter 9. She was known around the whole town because of her good works and charity. You may have the opportunity to share your faith like Dorcas, just because you like to do good works and give charity and help people. That may, you may never preach from a pulpit or never teach a kid's class. That may be excellent, fine. But you may be the key link as a servant to bring the gospel to somebody who hasn't heard it. Let's keep going because we're going to have a little game here in a little bit. Uh, testimonials, the next one. The blind man who the born blind and Jesus healed him and they called him in and said, tell us what's going on here. I can't believe you let him do that to you. And it was a bad thing that he did. And the blind man said, listen, all I know is Jesus changed me. That may be your testimony. That may be the one that fits you because of what you were versus what you are. I am so glad that I am not what I was. I'm glad that I am what I am. I'm still glad that he's changing me still. But let me tell you, all I know is Jesus changed me. That's the testimonial. Next one is the direct style. The, that guy named Peter, he preached, you just murdered Christ. I mean, do you know somebody sitting in the pew next to you that has that direct style down? You know, I hope they speak the truth in love. The direct style, some of you need to be more direct than others. I remember having a conversation with a couple, and we had been studying with them about becoming Christians. And, um, and they were really understanding all the nuances. They were a couple. They were in their 50s. And uh, we were just getting really close to them making a dedication to Christ and being baptized into Christ. And it was time for me to be a little more direct. And I'm usually not that guy. I'm a little more casual most of the time, but something came over me and he said, you know what, we're really thinking that we need to do this. We're really going to think about this. Maybe next week we'll, we'll study some more about that and do that, but we think it's necessary. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I paused and thought, wait a minute, I need to be more direct. Okay, that's fine. And I said to him, okay, drive carefully. And he said, what? I said, well, if you just admitted to me that you have sin in your life that has not been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ and your confession, you're being baptized into Christ, your penance will save you and have your sins washed away and you're going to maybe do that next week. I just want you this week to drive carefully or else you'll show up in heaven or show up at the gate 
with your sin still attached to you. Talk about direct. And you could see his knees shake. And you could see his wife elbow him. Boo! That's exactly what we're saying. Boo! We got to do something. Within 24 hours, they were baptized into Christ. Every now and then, that direct message is needed. It may be with your son or your daughter or your grandchildren or a niece or nephew, but if you can get away with it, if you can speak the truth in love, you can be a direct person and and say what needs to be said. We need some direct people in this life that can say what needs to be said with love. That direct style. Here's another one, intellectual style. Paul reasoned with the Greeks. Some of us, uh, you need to be very thoughtful, very understanding of scriptures. And some people just want to sit down and hash it out for a long period of time. That's important. Some people can communicate and convert people like that. Relational, Levi threw a party. How many of you guys like to throw parties at your house, have the burger cookouts, that kind of thing? Hey, that was Levi. He said, come over to the party. Everybody come to the party. And by the way, Jesus is showing up. And I want to introduce you to Christ. Or the friends of Jesus are going to show up. I want to introduce you to them. Maybe that's your style, the relational style. Finally, the invitational style. There was the woman at the well. Jesus told me everything I'd ever done. She ran back into the city. She said, come and see. Come and see the guy that told me everything. You've got to come see. This is the Savior. Come and see the invitational side. Maybe you're the kind that really likes to invite people to stuff. Come on to church with me. Come to VBS with me. Come to whatever, the women's group with me. Come to the men's group with me. Maybe you're the invitational kind. One of these probably fits you well. What time do you have, Patrick? I want to have a little fun. Five after? We've got plenty of time. I've got to quit about 10 o'clock tonight, right? Okay, great. I'm going to throw a party. I want to invite all of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about your own personal style. Here's the party I want to to provide, and it's an evangelistic party. I want to, next Sunday afternoon, I want you to come at 12 o'clock, actually at 12 o'clock, to the park. You have a city park here in Paris? City park? Great. I'm going to have an evangelistic outreach ministry, and it's going to start at 12 o'clock on Sunday, and I'm inviting all of you to participate in this evangelistic outreach with me. All right, Patrick can come too. Okay, everybody's going to be coming because everybody is going to share in this fun Christian activity with the purpose of passing our faith on to someone else somehow. Now, we got to put this party together. How many of you are servant type people? You don't really plan on getting out and teaching the class or getting out and teaching somebody the gospel, but you can sure serve somebody. Serve. Okay, hold your hands up if you'd like to serve the chips and the dip and the, the corn on the cob. Anybody want to be the servants? Okay, we've got half the crew of our so We've got you covered. Okay, good. Now let's see. We need somebody. Let's see. Oh, testimonial. We need somebody to stand up at the party and say, let me tell you, I'm so glad this is my Christian family. They just really have made my life incredible. Something like that. Would anybody be comfortable just saying, that all, that's all just to this crew? Anybody? Two, two, three, that's all we need. Fantastic. You got an assignment, all right? That's your assignment. Let's do the next one. Direct style. Okay. This one, the wives, you elbow your husband. Uh, the direct style. We need somebody that's going to be sitting down under a tree that's going to be very serious about telling people about Christ. And if somebody comes to us while we're flipping burgers, by the way, do we have burger flippers here? That might be in the serving section too. Say, listen, who can I talk to about Christ? 
Look over there under that tree. He would love to open the Bible and talk to you about Christ. Be really direct with the scriptures. Anybody would like to do that? Patrick, you better raise your hand or you'll lose your job. Okay, good, good. Okay, good. Direct shot. We got somebody sitting under the tree ready to talk at any time. Love that. Maybe there were some more hands I didn't get. That's excellent. How about intellectual style? Oh, I got it. Patrick was waiting until I said this one. Is that what I'm saying? Intellectual style. Somebody who really would like to, to just take anybody's questions. And let's go to, to the Word. Anybody, anybody feel like you could do that? Answer anybody's question about anything if they wanted to, if they asked you? Whoo! Got any elders here? Your hands better be up, boys. If you can't answer their questions, you may not be qualified. We need some guys to be sitting in the corner saying, listen, ask me about the Word of God and how it applies to your life. I'm ready at any time. We need those guys. We need those in sweet, humble, direct ways or whatever. We need you, we need you at the party. We need you to be ready at the party. We've got to have it. Uh, relational style. Um, who's, that's somebody's going to throw the party. Um, who, who's going who's gonna to invite their people? Let's, let's link these last two together. Who can invite somebody to the burger cookout? Free. It's free. Can anybody invite anybody? Neighbor, friends, anybody? I hope you all had the opportunity to jump into this party. This is what they call church. Did you know that Scripture says the manifold wisdom of God will be made known by the church? It's our job to let the world know about the wisdom of God. And that's about the salvation through Christ. That's about the understanding of how to live. That's, it's our job. And so that's why he gives us all these different styles to meet all different kind of people. And he wants you each to say, I want a part of that. Three things we've got to figure out right quickly. This little clicker thing is needing a battery. That's the first one. Here we go. Think growth. If everybody in the church does not understand that God wants his church to grow, then you got a problem. And that might mean that a visitor is going to be sitting in your pew on Sunday morning. Uh, LaVon and I were sitting down. There's a blanket right here. She said, oh, not sitting in that pew. That's somebody's pew. I know it is. Going to go somewhere else. If you have visitors here because you want to grow and you want to invite them to the party, they might be sitting in your pew. You might have to come and sit right next to them to feel comfortable, but you need to be recognizing that if growth is going to happen, you will all, we will all say, God wants the church to grow. I want a part of that. We're all getting in, into this. We're going to invite people if you're invitational. We're going to serve people if we're that kind of servant. We are going to have those under-the-tree visits with people if that's the kind of people you are. We want to bring people to Christ and His church, and we all have to play a part. We have to think growth. Second, we have to think God. We are not in this alone. We are, at every conversation, helped, assisted, accompanied by God Himself. I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine named Chris. When I was in middle school and high school, he was my friend. Um, and his father was a very serious stalwart guy. I don't even know what that means, but stalwart guy that was just serious about Bible study and serious about the Word of God. And, and, and it was very good for me to see him because my father was kind of the same way. And I would go to his house, and every time I'd spend the night with him on a, on the mor in the morning, we would, uh, we would open up the Power for Today. You know the little Power for Today thing? 
and his dad would have the devotional and have the prayer before we could eat. Chris's older brother didn't like that. In high school, he experienced everything you could imagine. He rebelled in every way you could think of. And then went off to college, dropped out of college, and just started living the wildlife. Well, Chris was headed that way, too. And the last time I saw him, he was headed that way, too. And so I, you know, it was early years of high school that I moved away, and we lost track, but I heard that he wasn't doing good. Ten years later, I think about looking him up. Facebook's coming on, or computers are coming up, and I think, I'm going to look him up. I hear he's living under a bridge. So I do a little more research. I think, you know, maybe he's into drugs, maybe he's outside the law. That's the way his brother was, that's the way he was headed, in rebellion to his father and that power for today thing. And I look him up, and he's not living under a bridge, except that he is living under a bridge because he started a ministry in St. Louis to under the bridge rebellious drug dealers, and that was his ministry. And he was teaching people the word of God where gunshots were being fired in the street, and he was under the tree teaching people about Jesus Christ. Something happened to him in the time that we lost track of each other. And I'm convinced that God got a hold of him. Some way, somehow, through somebody. And all of those thoughts of the power for today and the times in the scriptures with his dad, they were in deep in him and they began to bubble out. And he couldn't keep quiet because God had gotten a hold of him. If you think you're in this ministry thing, in this evangelism, in sharing your faith thing by yourself, not a chance. God will bring people into your life that will help you, that will change you, that you can minister to. Every single time, you have to think God is right with me. He, the parousia, the, the, the one who accompanies us is with us all the time. Finally, you've got to think the last one, the, the Great Commission, is going to all the world. If people are not lost who haven't heard about Christ, you know, surely God will have grace on them, right? If they're okay without Christ, then Christ should have said, now, don't go into all the world and don't preach the gospel to anybody because they're already saved without knowing me. And if they know about me, then, and they reject me, then they might be lost. No, he said, no, go, go, because they're lost without me. Got to go. That may be next door. That may be to the teller at the gas station. That may be to a student at school. You got to go, whatever God puts in your way here. Let's see what else we have. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We are all he has. Isn't that kind of sad or is that exciting? We're all he has to work with as we share our faith. Ambassadors, here are the things they do. They live a consistent Christian life. They list the blessings of God frequently. They listen to others actively. They lead conversations to God. They let God's word work. And Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is powerful and able to cut and, and able to do the work on people. I have in the inside cover of my Bible something that saved me, and it saves me all the time. It's not just the words. It is just some saving. I'm looking at your watch here. I'm getting kind of long-winded. We good? 15 minutes. Okay, good, good, good. I have something inside the cover of my, of my Bible. Uh, this is... Make sure 49 questions on the inside cover of my Bible, 
And they go something like this. What does God want from me? What's the cost of following Jesus? Who is Jesus? It goes down. What, is, uh, what does born again mean? What is the church about? There's, there's 49 there, but wait. There's another 49 back here. All right, and this is about angels, and this is about sexuality, and this is about marriage and divorce, and this is about, let me read a few more, the Holy Spirit and prayer and predestination. And these are just lists that, that I've come up with through different sources. And what I understood while working in South Dakota, after a lot of, a lot of work trying to get on the college campus there and teach people about Christ and let them know my opinion, which, by the way, is no better than anyone else's. And we weren't having great success on the college campus. The minute we decided that we were going to let them figure this out for themselves with a little help of showing them where some scriptures are, the answer to the questions of these, let them figure it out themselves, the place just came alive. My opinion and your opinion does not matter in our world today. It doesn't matter. Because you get online and you get 52 other opinions of the same passage. Your opinion doesn't matter. So when we let people go to the scriptures for their own answers, good things are going to happen. And so when you go to the first one here and you say, what does God want from me? It talks about being a disciple. He just wants you to be a disciple. Go to make disciples. We want you to be disciples. You know how many times the word Christian is in scripture? Most versions, three times. You know how many words the disciple is in the New Testament? 255 times. We let people teach themselves from the word of God about what it means to be a disciple of Christ, and they convert themselves. When you bring them to the word of God, they can convert themselves. We've got to get back to that, church. We've got to get there. Let's see what else I have here. I want to read this passage. You guys turn in, the, in your Bibles, if you will, since we're talking about the word. 2 Corinthians 4. 1 through 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 16. Is everybody there yet? All right, here we go. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God... We do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. This treasure of the faith, by the way, in our jars of clay. To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. 
For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now verse 16, so we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Here is a writer that's just saying, we're just living it. We're just living it. However God has made us, whatever style we're in, with the idea of, I am here to share my faith, we're living it. Every day, in every way, we're living it. And good things are going to be happening because God is going to be glorified in everything that we do. And Christ's love is what compels us. I think that's it. Okay, enough preaching to everybody, Jerry. Let's talk just for a minute and I'm done. Somebody said this recently to me. The reason that many people become Christians is because they've met one. And the, re the reason many people do not become Christians is because they've met one. Which are you? It's, unfortunately, it's unfortunate that we don't have consistency in every Christian life. But in yours, in yours, can it be that from this point on, you will say, I will live that Christian life, that dedicated, committed, consistent Christian life, but with a little asterisk that says, I am going to share my faith somehow to someone some way, somewhere, someday, soon, so that I can be more like Christ. He came to seek and save the lost and to give people faith. That's a victory. I pray that you will share your faith and the victory it is in your life so that we might, from faith to faith, pass it on to the next generation. And then the next generation will do the same. And the next will do the same. That's God's plan through us. Let's pray together again. Our Father, as we look at this faith that you've given us, that, that we live in, that we love, that we have hope in, um, may we be success as we look for successors. May we be people that somehow, some way, with our styles of life, bring people closer to a relationship with you and share our faith like never before. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen.